be looking briefly at the story um, this morning, the story of Christmas, the story of the birth of Jesus, our Savior. And in Luke chapter 2, if you'd like to follow along or you'd like to just listen to this story, um, I'd like to just tell you that story this morning, especially if you've not heard it or it's been a long time since you've heard that story. The story goes like this, that in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped the baby in swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were were shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swallowing cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts glorifying God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angel of the Lord went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, this thing that had been made known to them by the Lord, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Then, after eight days, when he was circumcised, He was called Jesus, the name that had been given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's a wonderful story, isn't it? The story of our Savior Jesus. I'd like to do a little something since this is a little bit different service. I'd like to see how well you know that story. 
I know some of you, I can feel your hands starting to sweat. <laughs> you think I'm going to call on you and say, why don't you tell the story? Now, we have done that before in our church, and uh, there have been some embarrassing moments for that, but I just want to walk through that story with you and, and have you fill in the blanks uh, with me. And kids, you might have to help your parents because they're not real good at this. <laughs> but the story goes like this. In those days, there was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All right, Paul, you're on it this morning. All the world should be registered. I'm going to have to stand right here, I think. This is like the best place for the microphone. <laughs> All the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Governor of Syria. And all went to be registered. Each to his own town. Each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Okay, Judea, the big part, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his, and she was with child. And while, the time, while they were there, the time came for Mary to have the baby, to have the baby, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him because there was no place for them in the end. Very good. And, an angel, and there were, in that same region, there were, there were shepherds in the field doing what? People watch over their flock at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And what shone all around them? The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with, not just fear, great fear. They were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, do not, because I bring you of great, which will be for all the people, all the people. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. What's next? When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. To see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw, they talked about this thing that they heard, heard, which the Lord had made known to them. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds were saying. But Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And the, angel, and the shepherds went away rejoicing and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And after eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was 
He was called. Gave that one away, didn't I? He was called Jesus. The name that was given him by angel. When? Before he was conceived in the womb. Isn't it a great time of year when you can come together as a family of God and, and just do that and, and just remember the story of Jesus? It's a, it's a wonderful time of the year. There are many things to enjoy during this time of the year. There's the joy of giving. You know, Paul told um, the Ephesian elders in, in Acts 20 that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that is true, isn't it? It is more blessed to give than receive, and, and the joy you, you get when you see somebody uh, receiving something that you give, it's more blessed to give and receive. It, 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 it's, in my opinion, it's still blessed to receive a little bit, uh, especially at Christmas. I don't mind receiving the gifts that we share at Christmas time. It is a, a, a great time. It's a, it's a special time. It's a time of um, special memories that you make with family and, and friends and uh, share good food and uh, it's a time even of perhaps nostalgia when you think about Christmas's past, perhaps with, with those who have gone on before us and the joy of those memories that we have. It's, a, it's simply a beautiful time of the year. This year, Lori and I have, uh, have been reading through a, um, an Advent reading. Uh, it's, uh, it's one reading uh, every day for the four weeks before Christmas, and we have been doing that as a daily, uh, a daily um, reading, four weeks leading up to the celebration of Christmas. And so we enjoy all of these things, but you know, it's not like that for everyone, is it? There are many, many people in the world where Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. The National Alliance for Mental Health did a survey a few years ago and they reported that the holidays contribute to feelings of sadness and dissatisfaction for 68% of the people. And those 68% of the people say that they feel, they feel financially strained during this time of year. 66% of them say that they have, they have um, experienced loneliness during the time when we are to be together with family and friends. 63% say that there's just too much pressure during the Christmas season. 57% say that they have unrealistic expectations, which means they have unrealized expectations as well. 55% of those surveyed found themselves remembering happier times as opposed to this Christmas. This Christmas is not the happy time. 50% say they were unable to be with their loved ones during this time of year. If we compare the joy of that with, with these folks, um, I think it's these folks who actually resemble Israel more than those of us who just love this time of year. They, they resemble Israel more because Israel waited for their advent, didn't they? They had an advent. Advent simply means coming. There was, a, there was a coming. But their advent was not four weeks. 
their advent was 400 years. 400 years from, from Malachi to John the Baptist, they waited for the promise. They, they waited for uh, the prophecies to be fulfilled, but it never materialized. There was no prophetic voice. There was no glory of God that shone all around them. It never happened. And then they were ruled by the Greeks, and then they were ruled by the Romans, waiting and waiting in despair for the Messiah who would deliver them. Advent, but no Messiah. Christmas tree, but no presents. We sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. One of those verses says, Come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. That was the feeling of Israel. In the Old Testament promises, all of the promises, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. No coming. Isaiah 33, 22, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. No saving. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And still no coming. Isaiah 40, speaking of the exile in Babylon and the slow turning of the people from God, there was an urgency, there was um, a need to arouse the people. And in Isaiah 40, we read these words in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry for her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, that she, shall, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. A prophecy. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and, and une the uneven ground shall become level. The rough place is a plain. And then he says in verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. All of the promises of the Old Testament, all of the um, prophecies of the Old Testament, you know, throughout history, throughout history, Israel had experienced from time to time the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord being God's revelation, his revelation of his physical presence we see throughout the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord. We, we, we talk about the Shekinah glory. We talk about the cloud that went before Israel during the day and the fire that went before them at night. Moses asked for the glory of the Lord. In, in Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses says this, Please show me your glory. 
And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, the Lord, the God who is, who was, and will be. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Even Moses could not fully see the full glory of God, the face of God, and live. Moses builds the tabernacle. And in Exodus chapter 40, when he completes his work, Verse 33 says, Moses finished the work. Verse 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent, of the tent because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Even Moses could not go into the tabernacle, into the presence of God, where the glory of God was. Later, Solomon. Solomon builds the temple, and the Holy of Holy becomes the place of the visible presence of God, the manifestation of God. And who could go there? Only the high priest. And once a year, and he couldn't go in unless he had a rope tied to him in case he saw the glory and he died and he fell on his face and died, and they could drag him out. And we come to Haggai. We've been going through the minor prophets um, in the Bible study hour. We come to Haggai chapter 2. And in, in Haggai, the people had been told, if you, if you build the temple, then the glory of the Lord will be greater than it was before. And they did rebuild the temple. He says, if you build it, the glory, you know, I wonder how, how's the glory going to be greater? He says in verse 9, the later glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. This temple, the glory of the Lord was going to be greater. How could it be greater than it was in the giving of the Ten Commandments? How could it be greater than the Exodus? How could it be greater than in the tabernacle? And we come to Malachi, the last of the minor prophets. There's still no glory. Israel's waiting for their glory. And in, and in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And you know, I've got to think Israel's, Israel's thinking, well, when? When is he coming? Hundreds of years pass, and, and a hundred years pass, and he, he's not there. Where is the glory? Where is the manifestation of God? It had to happen in this temple. And this temple, even though it was proved, improved, this temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So when did that glory come? Well, Luke chapter 2 gives us the answer to that question. Luke chapter 2. There was a man named Simeon. 
in Jerusalem. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, it says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is the consolation of Israel? That's the Messiah. That's the fulfilling of all the promises of Israel. That's the salvation to all the nations. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that the whole, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to their customs, the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and he said this, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people Israel. That's why John said in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's why Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, says this. Hebrews 1, let me read you one, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Long ago and by many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. In verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the physical manifestation of God, and the exact imprint of his nature. So when we tell the story of Christmas... When we tell this story, we're telling the story of the glory of God. We're telling the story of the presence of God with man. We're telling the story of Emmanuel, God with us. And so when we read about the angels and we read um, in verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Is there any wonder? And that word there is literally megaphobia. It's one word. We get the word mega and phobia from these words. We have a, they had a megaphobia. There was a great fear. Why? Because Moses couldn't stand in the presence of God and live. This is the glory of the Lord. Moses could not see the face of God. And now these shepherds are surrounded by the presence of God. When Moses saw the burning bush, he stood far away from the burning bush. He could see the burning bush, but God has never come so close to man as he did through this baby. And as I was reading this, I wonder, is that the exact moment that Jesus was born? I've never read that, so don't quote me on that. But I just think, was Jesus born when the glory of God shone around the shepherds? 
Is that the moment Jesus was born? Is that the moment God became flesh? They were, they were surrounded by the glory of the Lord. How did he come? He came in a manger. He came in a common way, a humble way, and he was, his presence was made known to common people, to shepherds. You see, he's not a king who is unapproachable. He is himself the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and his sheep hear his voice. And so on that first Christmas day, the glory of God was seen as never before. It was greater than in the temple. It was greater than at the exodus. It was the glory of the baby Jesus. But when the angels went away into heaven, the darkness returned. And the glory of God was now veiled in a baby. Most people during Jesus' lifetime did not see the glory of God in Jesus. Most people rejected him. Some hated him. A few murdered him. But there were exceptions in the New Testament when his glory was revealed at his baptism. Glory was revealed to Paul on the road to Damascus. His glory was revealed in the transfigurations. The, the uh, disciples saw his face, and his face was, was brilliantly right, uh, white, and his, his glory was revealed in his crucifixion. He was exalted, and his glory was fulfilled in his, in his resurrection. His glory was made known in his ascension, you see the glory of God. But we live in a world of veiled glory. We live in a world that is dark with sin and anxiety and war and death. But although we live in that world, that dark world, we have an assurance that the glory of God will shine brighter than the sun and that we will see him in all of his glory. Revelation chapter 21, verse 11, we read these words. And he carried me away, verse 10, carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. John is writing this, of course, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw the te no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light, or lamp, or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We will see the glory of God. As one author put it, 
If you are in Christ, you've been chosen to transcend the borders of your own glory, to bring out, to reach out toward a greater glory, the glory of God. Do you know that glory? Do you know that baby? We have a great hope. We've been chosen to transcend the borders of our own glory, to reach out toward the greater glory, the glory of God. If you don't know that glory, may that glory reach out to you this morning.